0: All right, so we're going to pick it up in Romans chapter 2. You guys might be like, why is Gandhi up here? I want to share a story before we jump into chapter 2. A woman came to Gandhi one time and asked him if she would, please, can you tell my son to stop eating sugar? Okay, well, Gandhi asked her to come back in a week. Exactly one week later, the woman returned, and Gandhi said to the boy, please, give up sugar. The woman thanked the Mahatma and as she turned to go, she asked, why did you ask us to come back in a week's time? Gandhi replied, because a week ago, I had not given up eating sugar. Preach what you practice. That is so important for us as believers, guys. This morning, we're gonna consider together um religious overconfidence that is so easy for us as human beings to have we're going to look at false security that we can find in associations and we're also going to look at the matter of the heart because ultimately that's what god cares about guys he cares about our hearts the intents of our hearts Great, you showered this morning, put some deodorant on, maybe some cologne because it's Valentine's Day and I'm going to church, I dressed up nice. I'm wearing a t-shirt this morning. But I'm wearing it for a reason, okay? Jesus is bigger than Sundays. That's going to speak to our message this morning. But the thing is, we can have it all going on on the outside. What's going on the inside this morning? Where's your heart before your Heavenly Father today? Is it open? Are you ready to receive You see, as we consider Romans chapter 2, let's take a look at verse 17 is where we pick it up this week and we're going to consider first of all this religious overconfidence. It says, Indeed, you are called a Jew and you rest on the law and you make your boast in God and know his will. You approve the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law and are confident that you yourselves are, are or that you are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law, you therefore who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob Temples, you who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you as it is written. So Paul's saying you, Jews, we religious peeps, we're favored by God. We are privileged people. We have the knowledge. We're knowledgeable when it comes to the, the scriptures. We're models of morality. Do I tell others what is right, but then I do what is wrong? Is the big question that Paul asks these religious people. So there seems to be two main categories here. Did you catch it? We have the spiritual advantages in verses 17 and 18. And we, then we have the privileges that they have in verses 19 and 20. again look at verse 17 the spiritual advantages here indeed you are called a jew and the rest you rest on the law and you make your boast in god and know his will and approve the things that are excellent being instructed out of the law so they rested on the law okay to rest to rely on finding rest in to support something is what it's meaning and it's the law of God. And isn't religion good at making laws? I don't know how much you've studied other religions of the world, they're all law-based. Okay? Even the cults that are out there in the Christian stream of things, man, all law-based, right? Um we also see that they had a special relationship with God so they were bragging about their relationship to god man. father abraham isaac and jacob we're god's chosen people the apple of his eye we're the hebrews we're jewish we have the torah right and they knew his will right god spoke to them give them the big 10 commandments right you guys this is what you're to do And they also approve only of the most excellent and moral standards. So here we have their spiritual advantages. And these are some good things. And then their privileges, we're told in verse 19, it says, and are confident that you yourselves are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. So they were a guide to those who were spiritually blind, they were a light to those in darkness, they were an instructor for the foolish, and they were teacher of babes. So the first category deals with their relationship with God, okay, and then the second with others. So, is having the law the same as living the law? Nope. Big difference. You can have the law, but to live the law. Speed limit, 55. (laughs) A lot of you guys knew that I grew up in a church in Appleton, Calvary Chapel. And Calvary Chapels have these little bitty uh, dove, like car magnets. You guys ever see them? You see little doves driving around? I had a dove in my car for about 15 yards in the glove box because I had such a conviction, before I'm going to put this, you know, Holy Spirit dove on the back of my car, I need to start obeying the law. (laughs) And there it sat, year (laughs) after year (laughs) after year, (laughs) year, i got a heavy foot, okay? I've gotten a little better since I've had kids. How many of you guys changed your driving styles once you had kids? You know what I'm talking about. Well, most of you didn't. Okay. I know we have some visitors here. We're so glad you're here. You're going to find out really quick. I'm good at confessing stuff. (laughs) I am a sinner. I break the law. I like to speed. But there is a difference between having the law, knowing the law, and then actually doing it. You guys see there's a big difference there. So, there's profession, right? And then there's possession. We can have, you know, a big difference between, say, the preaching and the practice or between religion and reality. So greater knowledge brings greater accountability to the act, right? Because you have that knowledge. So Paul is about to prick their pompous balloon of pride and presumption here. Okay? It's good, but it's hard. This morning it may be hard for some of us. Take a look at verse 21 again. You therefore who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say, do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? And you who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. So this is a shocking gap here that stood between profession and their practice. They not only failed to practice what they preached, but they did the exact opposite of what they preached. Do you teach yourself? Okay. So you have to know the truth to teach it so you will venture to teach it without applying it to yourselves. And then the question is, do you steal? Isn't that the 8th commandment? Do you steal? We're all familiar with the 10 commandments. Do you guys know the 8th one, do not steal ties in to every other one of the 10 commandments? Think about it for a second. You shall not have any of the gods before me. If you break that one, what are you stealing? God deserves our worship. He deserves to be number one. Right? You shall not make any idols for yourself. Okay? Well, what are you doing? You're bringing God down. You're stealing who he is. He is the exalted Lord, creator of all things. And you're going to make him out to be a lesser thing, just like one of the many idols out there, you're going to worship other things, but the one and true living God that's stealing again, right? We're not to misuse the name of the Lord. This is his not the name above all other names? Is he not to be honored when we speak his name and we use his name as a swear word? When people say Jesus Christ in that way, how many of you guys hear that often? I hear it all the time. If you don't, turn on the TV for five minutes. Yeah. You know? And people, you do it all the time. I hear kids doing it. And I have been known in public when somebody uses Jesus, my Lord, my Savior, my all, when they use his name in vain, I'm like, oh, you know him too. Had a few conversations. But man, Jesus... God, who loved the world, who gave his life, and we're going to use his name. Why don't we say, oh, Hitler? Why do we blaspheme the name of the Lord? We're stealing from God what he deserves. His name should be honored when it's spoken. It should not be thought of as a swear word. Remember the Sabbath day. Man, the Lord's day. How many of us, oh, <laughs> Don't have time for you this week, Lord. <laughs> you know, we're stealing away from what He has asked of us. You work six days; on the seventh day, you rest. I've created you. This is the way I want it to be. It's the Lord's day. Good day for us to get together, together as believers, to worship Him. Okay, to fellowship in His name. Don't steal that away. Um, honor your father and mother is the fifth commandment, right? we don't honor our fathers and mothers we're stealing away the honor that they deserve we also know the sixth commandment: is you shall not murder what are we stealing if we murder somebody their life you didn't give them life who are you to take their life we're stealing their life away from them right you shall not commit adultery you're stealing from someone else's spouse right and then the eighth commandment you shall not steal you guys know stealing stealing right all right so that one works Right, (laughs) The ninth commandment, don't give false testimony. What are you doing? You're stealing truth away from someone. That's what you're doing when you lie. You're stealing truth. And then you shall not covet. Wow. The stuff that goes on in our heads, guys. Is that right? Man, look what they got. Look at their car. Look at who they're married to. They remembered to get me a card. (laughs) We can do all those things. You know, don't, don't rip people off in our minds, guys. That's wrong. So you see how Paul is just laying it down. Like, do you steal? Do you commit adultery? The seventh commandment. Do you rob temples? Okay? Commit some irreverent act against a holy place. Maybe not giving. Um, do you dishonor God? Commit some, or sorry, you, you break the law. Um, it becomes an empty gesture when we break the very law that you were just breaking about. Okay? You know, God, <laughs> you have a wonderful law, but I'm not going to obey it. That's religion, guys. You see... You teach the right. You preach the right. You say the right. You abhor God's rivals and you boast in him alone. Yes, but what do you do is the question. Don't hide behind creeds and confessions. Hypocrisy. It's everywhere. It's in the church, guys. You see, when we talk about pray but never pray. I love what you brought up On Saturday, Chad, how often we on Facebook will just say, hey, I'll pray for you. Thanks for sharing your prayer requests, praying. Do we actually pause from Facebook and actually pray in that moment? Or do we just give lip service to it? When we believe in tithing, but we never tithe. When we want to belong to church, but we never attend. When we say the Bible is god's word to man but then we never read it when we criticize others for the things they we do ourselves when we stay away from church for trivial reasons and then we sing oh god how i love you you see it's when we continue in sin all our lives (laughs) and then we expect to go to heaven in the end Don't get me wrong, we're not saved by works. Man, if you've come to faith in Christ, you're born again of the Spirit. How can we any longer continue on in that sin? Okay, there's sanctification. There's repentance that's a new thing in our lives. We want to do those things that honor Him. He's called me to be holy as He is holy. I know I'm not going to perfect myself in this life, We're all going to continue in sin, but let me tell you what, we should be growing, we should be repenting more and more every day. You see, guys, I think Paul hits it on the head here. Check out the last sentence. This is verse 24. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles, non-believers, because of you, as it is written. Quote, Millions of Christians live in a sentimental haze of vague piety with soft organ music trembling in the loving light from stained glass windows. Their religion is a pleasant thing of emotional quiver, divorced from the intellect, divorced from the will, and demanding little except lip service to a few harmless platitudes." I suspect that Satan has called off his attempt to convert people to agnosticism. After all, if a person travels far enough away from Christianity, he or she is always in danger of seeing it in a perspective and deciding that it is true. It is much safer from Satan's point of view To vaccinate a person with a mild case of Christianity so as to protect him from the real disease. How many religious love to play church? I'm good. I go. I give. I got baptized don't you know I'm a part of that denomination? I'm set. Do I practice what I preach? Do I only preach what I practice? Do I expect more of others than I do of myself? You see, the Jews had certain practices they put too much weight in. But the church does, too. I want to look at a list of practices and traditions with you guys that have become a fixed part of the evangelical American church experience. The things marked, um, they mark individuals, different congregations of evangelical Christians. Uh, One of those being defending the word of God. Right? Right? You guys know I love doing that. <laughs> I stand upon the word of God. We also see baptism in the Lord's Supper, a practice that churches do regularly. Scripture memorization, that's huge. Participation in high-profile profile evangelistic crusades, rallies, uh, political activism, tithing. Lists of to-do's and to-don'ts. Christian lingo. Church building programs. Altar calls in the worship service. To be overly expressive in response to the preaching. And you guys know that none of these things in and of themselves are bad? Okay? Some, in fact, are very vital to life and ministry in the church. But can any of those things save an individual? Can any of those things take the place of faith in Christ's life, death, and resurrection? They can't. Religion doesn't cut it, guys. Knowing God that is eternal life knowing him we find forgiveness of sins you see there's a false security that paul now brings up for us as he continues this thought verse 25 for circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law but if you are a breaker of the law your circumcision has become uncircumcision Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physical uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who, even with your written code and circumcision, are a transgressor of the law? Okay, Apostle Paul, this is getting heavy. This is getting deep. But I'm thankful that he's posed these questions. This is where our religion, our faith, gets real. I'm a Jew. I go to Freedom Fellowship. I got baptized in the quarry. For you guys who are newer, we have baptisms out at a quarry, out in Freedom. It's cool. But anyways, we can get into those type of mentalities. Look what I did. Okay? Or where I go. Or who I am. You see, circumcision... Uh, ceremonial rite that the Jews treasured as a sign or a guarantee of God's favor. Okay, It was a sign of their faith. It was a symbol of their faith. Uh, kind of picture what baptism would be to us as the church, right? A wonderful symbol of our faith. We're going public. We're letting the world know that Jesus is my Savior. Um, or a wedding ring between God and the church. There's cool pictures there, symbols. And these are both symbols that the church has. It's a symbol for someone who has been baptized or yet not really a believer. And how many people have you shared with, well, I know I'm going to heaven because I was baptized in the church when I was a baby. Wow! (laughs) Show me where God says that's how we get to heaven. Please, you who got wet. Getting wet doesn't get you to heaven. I... Correct me if I'm wrong. If you guys know the scripture, I'm open to be corrected, but I haven't found that yet. It doesn't work that way. Um, and the same, if someone picked up someone else's wedding ring and put it on, that doesn't make you married to their spouse. It's just not logical. So a person was only a Jew if he was one inwardly. You see, the circumcision that counted was a circumcision of the heart in a new heart created by the Holy Spirit that brings eternal life. That's the new covenant. That's being born again of the Spirit of God. Well, that sounds really New Testament. And us Jews, we don't believe in the New Testament. Jesus is not the Messiah. We believe in our books, the Torah, and our prophets. Great! Let's go to the Torah together. Deuteronomy chapter 30. We're going to take a look at verse 6 here. I love sharing the gospel with Jewish people without touching the New Testament. You guys know the gospel is all over the Old Testament. It's beautiful. Jesus is spoken of all over the Old Testament because he's God. It's pretty cool. Check out Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 6. Well, pastor, you just threw it up on the screen. Why are you making me turn there? Context is good. You guys should circle this in your Bible. Verse 6, it says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart. Does your translation say the same thing? Yeah, that's because that's what the Hebrew actually says. Circumcision of the heart. And the heart of your descendants. Okay. And to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, that you may live. So, even there, the Jew was taught in the Torah itself that the circumcision that God cared about was an inward reality. It was of the heart. That is what God is after this morning, brother and sister. It's your heart. Man, if you did some great things for the glory of God this week, awesome. If you said no to the flesh and didn't give in to temptations and didn't do that, awesome! (laughs) But it's not what we do or don't do, guys. What matters is what's going on in the heart. Is it an inward reality? And for many, when it is an inward reality, those outward things happen, which are totally cool. Praise the Lord. But if we're doing the outward without any inward, hell sucks. Bottom line, hell sucks. You can jot down Matthew 7.21 if you want. Many are going to say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, do we not do this? Build that. Cast out demons in your name. (laughs) And Jesus is going to say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. Again guys, we can do all the right things and not have relationship with the Lord. And the only way that happens is when that new covenant reality becomes a reality for you personally. Where God will take that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Born again. Alive. So... Spiritually authentic circumcision was a cutting away of the old sinful nature. So have you cut away your old sinful nature? repent of your sin guys repent i love acts 319 repent that refreshing that your souls would be refreshed in the presence of the lord man that's a beautiful thing isn't it to turn to him to turn from our sin nothing better but that's a reason why so many don't come to jesus or they're not growing in their faith or they haven't gotten closer to him in their relationship, because they want to hang on to this sin. I'm loving the sin more than my savior. Don't be deceived guys. Sin's fun for a season, but it's destructive. I mean, play it out in your head. If you continue on in that habitual sin, where is it going to take you? Where is it going to lead? You see, you've heard of guilt by association this is guilt by thinking association means anything. That's what Paul is saying here. I think the Baptists have their issues. Any of you guys have a Baptist background? Okay. I think Pentecostals have their issues. Okay. Any of you guys have a Pentecostal background? Whoop, whoop. All right. I wish we were a little more Pentecostal in here. <laughs> Amen. Preach me free, Pastor. Testify. Um, The emergent church has their issues. Um, Can I get an amen, David? Amen. I've heard about that on your show. The Catholic Church has theirs. Those that just preach a social gospel, guess what? They have theirs. You guys can cite any religious affiliation, they will have theirs. Challenge me, I'll dig into it. It's not hard to find. But what about Freedom Fellowship? Are you getting real, Pastor? Are we really going there? Are we going to be brutally honest together this morning? We're an arrogant lot. Let's be real. We are arrogant. Do we arrogantly think, arrogantly think just because we teach verse by verse that we're better than everyone else? Let's be brutally honest. Do we arrogantly thought that (laughs) the only way to teach is verse by verse? Greatest teacher of all time is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you guys know he never preached a verse by verse sermon in his life? Do we arrogantly think that the good things God has done in our church is because of our hard work and sacrifice? Is it not the Spirit of God, His favor, His grace upon us? Period. He's the one to be glorified. Do we think by saying I go to Freedom Fellowship means anything to anybody? Do you think it does to God? No. He would say I rejoice greatly that I have found some of my children walking in the truth. 2 John 4. That's what God cares about, guys. To you at Freedom Fellowship, do you walk in the truth? You see, not walking in the door of Freedom Fellowship means anything. So it's not a matter of having religious overconfidence. It's not a matter of false security and association, but it's a matter of the heart. That's what matters. And some of you guys might not like these scriptures we're going through. But this is what Paul is saying. This is what the scriptures mean for you and I this morning. So let's consider what he says here when it comes to the heart. Verse 28, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. A circumcision that is of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. We might deceive ourselves by being familiar with the truth of religious affiliation, but God's not fooled, guys. So let's spring back for a moment, about 2,600 years, and listen to a conversation between God and his man, Zeke. Okay? That's Ezekiel. Let's turn to Ezekiel 33 together. My dad's reading through Ezekiel right now and he had some question. I don't know about you guys, but the prophet Ezekiel, some crazy visions, some crazy prophecies. It's one of those big, like, what are you talking about, dude? You know, like I get chunks of it. I understand parts. But some of it, man, that would have been a trip to be that prophet <laughs> and saw the things he saw. But I love this conversation here. Check it out. Ezekiel 33, verse 30. It says, As for you, son of man, speaking about Ezekiel, the children of your people are talking about you beside the walls and in the doors of the houses. And they speak to one another, everyone saying to his brother, Please, come in here." What the word is that comes from the Lord. And so they come to the people, or as people do, and they sit before you as my people, and they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. Indeed, you are to them a very lovely song, In one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear your words, but they do not do them. Pastor's worst nightmare right here, guys. People coming to hear you preach. People talking about the sermon. But they don't ever do anything that they actually hear. They didn't take God's word seriously. That was their problem. We can say we take God's word seriously. We can get lip service to it. But do we actually do it? I know God says this. But. I'm good at buts. You see, complimenting the preacher is not the same as obeying the master. Sensuality hears and does nothing. Spirituality, it hears and it obeys. So we all need to go to the heart of the matter. And that's what I love about the word of God. Because it's surgical, isn't it? It's able to go deep. It's able to divide the intents of our hearts and our minds. It knows what's really going on on the inside. And it's that mirror, isn't it? Oh, (laughs) I don't like what I'm seeing. I need to shave. Sonny was right. (laughs) You guys, you can jot down Isaiah, another prophet. Isaiah 29, verse 13. Isaiah said it this way. These people, they come near to me with their mouths, and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts... They are far from me. And in Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, Jesus said, Isaiah was right when he said, these people come near me with their mouths and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So Jesus even said, this is the problem. We can play church We can do religion, but the heart is what matters. That's why Jesus said, when you believe on me with your heart and confess with my mouth, you shall be saved. What's going on in the heart? That's what matters, guys. I love the word of God is meant to pierce. This is a hard message. That's why a lot of pastors probably won't teach Romans 2. <laughs> but we need this. And He loves us enough to speak the truth to us. A message like this is going to allow many to look into the mirror of God's Word and see where they're really at with Him. How many go through the motions and have a false hope, a false security, false plans of eternal life in heaven? Because they never got real. They never were willing to be honest. They believed a lie. Satan's a good liar. You guys know that Satan likes hanging out in the church. Well, that's kind of judgmental. Spend some time this week just calling around local congregations, ask to talk to the priest or the pastor, and ask them some very basics when it comes to gospel truth. And see what they will tell you. They're lost, and they're blind, and they are leading people astray. And many people are there, blindly following. But where I get scared, guys, is in a church that does trust and believe his word. How many of us can just go through the motions of hearing? and never allow our hearts to truly be examined. When is the last time you really cried out to God, as King David did in Psalm 139? God, if there's any wicked way in me, stuff going on inside, would you search me out? Find that, show me, so I can deal with that. Because we're good at deceiving ourselves. Even our hearts, we're told in Jeremiah, are deceitful above all things. That's the, man, <laughs> the heart of man, guys. We can deceive ourselves. But the word of God, this is truth. And God will, if you are humble enough to cry out, he will search you because he loves you. It's because he loves you but he won't force himself upon you because that's not loving, is it? No. It's relationship. I'm inviting you, Father, (laughs) into my life. I want to be open. I want to be real. Search me. Know me. Find any wicked way in me. I want to note, it's not up here. Let's go back to Romans 2. Actually, you guys can head over to Luke chapter 18. I'm going to read the last verse here again in Romans 2. And I want you guys just to note as I read this, there, there's a play on words. Do you guys know that Jew means praise? Okay, praise. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not of the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. So whom do we seek praise from? Is it God or men? God or men? Yay! I went to church. I hope they're happy I'm here. tell my kids, as long as they're in my house, they go to church. We had a conversation about that this week. But we also talked about the reality that they have a choice in how they go to church. And they will have choices once they're out of our house whether they choose to worship the Lord or not. You guys understand, we all have choice. But our choice is to please mom and dad, hubby, wifey, our neighbors, or do we please God? I want to take a look, and we're going to wrap up this morning by considering the parable of a statue man and a sponge man in Luke chapter 18 here. Look at verse 9 with me. Also, he spoke this parable. So here is Jesus sharing with us a story, a parable, okay? And it's being told to make a point. And this point is beautiful and wonderful, and it's really going to speak to what we've been considering here in Romans 2 this morning together. So he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. So as one said, okay, if grace is like rain, then one man is a statue and the other is a sponge. Okay, So, can you picture that? Both being rained upon, yet one, the Pharisee, okay, is repelling that rain, that grace, and the tax collector, the publican, is like a sponge receiving that rain. You guys got the picture? Good. Check out verse 10. Two men, they went out, or they went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So two men, they went up to the temple to pray. Each a man, only a man. So whenever a man crosses the threshold of the temple, church, that is how he's listed by high heaven. Employer can sit right next to an employee. A cop can sit right next to a convict. So both went up to pray, right? And right there in their prayers, a difference was revealed. Look at verse 11, we're gonna look at the statue man first, the Pharisee. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed, thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, Unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I possess. This phrase here, guys, <laughs> he stood and prayed within himself. I'm fully convinced that Jesus was hilarious. like like, honestly what (laughs) this parable is sharing? listen to the satire the wit the irony that jesus uses here okay this man essentially was he was praying a self-eulogy a tribute to himself here a long list of personal achievements guys mark five times i i i i i this guy was a fool of himself okay So isn't it interesting that one could feel glad that he doesn't sin in one way while he's sinning in another way, and perhaps even in a worse way. See, he had intellectual conviction to come and pray, yet he doesn't make contact with God. Okay, Hell is full of intellectual conviction. People know. I've been preaching the gospel for over two decades to people. And I think about how many have heard the gospel. Long conversations with some people. Many ongoing conversations. Some for weeks, months, even years. Intellectually, they know the gospel. I can ask them, tell me what the gospel is, and they can share the gospel. Intellectually, they know it, but they don't believe it. Conviction might even be there, but they're not willing to repent. You see, (laughs) God here, okay, when he prays, God, well, at least he started with that, right? <laughs> but he never made another mention of him in his Did You guys see that? Not another time. He tells us in verse 12, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. So fasting requirement was once a year for the Jew on the Day of Atonement. Here, this guy, I got 104 times a year. I'm pretty great. Wow. Twice a week, you must be skinny. Um, ties of all, not just of field and stall. Um, I guess he not only knew this, but he determined that God should know it too, and all those others around him were <laughs> listening to him pray. Uh, when all said and done, here I guess he not only prayed to himself but he also tithed to his own savings account and he fasted to his own health. And it's interesting, you can do all the right things, but not avail if it's, if it's with a wrong heart. You see, pride is so subtle that if we're not careful, we'll be proud of our humility. Amen. Thanks, James. <laughs> I'm so proud About how humble I'm getting. It just doesn't work, guys, right? That's what this guy was doing. So, when this happens, our goodness becomes badness and our virtues become vices. We can easily become like the Sunday school teacher who, having told the story of the Pharisee and the publican, said, Children, let's bow our heads and thank God that we're not like this Pharisee. We need to be careful. You see, the Pharisee's prayer showed he was self-centered, that he was conceited, that his morality was based on negatives, and he showed his worship was based on externals. Now, let's consider the sponge man. Um, And yes, you can call him Bob if that helps. (laughs) Verse 13, the tax collector, standing afar off, He would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, he went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted." So, verse 13, we're told that he's standing afar off. He couldn't even come near, okay? Not front and center, okay? Off in a corner, it seems. And he wouldn't raise his eyes, okay? You guys know that faith doesn't look at self, faith doesn't do that. And then we also see in verse 13, he started with God and he starts the same way. But the attitude is totally different. He does use me, but immediately it's followed up by what? A description of a person referred to as a sinner. And oh, how he hated his sin. The publican's prayer showed he was humble before God as a man, showed he was more aware of his sins than those of others showed he was not concerned about obtaining marital wealth or material wealth, and he showed that he was conscious of his standing before God. And then check out verse 14. I tell you, this is Jesus, okay? I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, just as if he never sinned. The sinner, okay? Justified rather than the other man, the religious dude who did a whole lot of good stuff. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So what a shock for his listeners to hear the sinner walked away justified and not the holy man. So God relates to those who've lost their pride and have humbled themselves in repentance. It's all he wants. What must I do to be saved? Humble yourself before God. Repent. Turn from your sin and turn to Him. Samuel Fisher Amend's going to come up at this moment. What you got in your hand there, bro? Balloon. A balloon. How many of you guys think he's got enough hot air in there to. Hey, slow down, slow down. Slow, there you go. Thank you, thank you. Very good. So, this is what it's like when we are like that Pharisee. When we're banking on our own good. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Yes. Extortioners. <laughs> Unjust. Adulterers. Or even as this tax collector... I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. (laughs) Oh. I don't think Sam's a puffed up man. I love spending time with Sam. But this guy was puffed up. Completely full of himself. I can testify to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, as he testifies, we can all be full of hot air. Especially here in the West, we're so individualistic. How great I am, look what I do, look how many likes I got. Look at what people think about me, look how good I am. My parents tell me I'm great and I can do anything I want. Chances are you're just normal like everybody else. Maybe one of you guys will be something really cool. Most of us are just normal. Let's be real, okay? Did that bust your bubble? That's what happens when we're full of ourselves. Okay The Sponge man, though, he wasn't full of hot air. OK? Love is not puffed up, is it? This man, his balloon would have been limp. You can't pop a limp balloon. How easily do we pop? You see, when we're humble, lowly, the idea is that we're close to the ground. Guys, our God, he likes us empty, not full of ourselves. That could have been the sermon this morning. He wants us empty, not full of ourselves.